Today's episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast is proud to be partnered with Anchor Podcasts. Anchor is the easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a latent idea that's just kind of lying around for a show you would like to record one day, I'm confident that anyone could use this platform to host, record, and distribute your podcast, turning your idea into a reality. Anchor puts everything you need to be successful all in one place. You can start a new recording right from your mobile device. They also have convenient creation tools that allow you to edit your audio files so they sound crisp and great. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, letting listeners find your show almost everywhere, including Spotify, Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several others. And best of all, it's free. There are no hosting fees or monthly subscriptions or minimum listener counts, just an easy-to-use platform to get your podcast out there at no cost to you. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm your host, Brad Gray, and this is episode number 17. On today's episode, I'm joined by Pate Johnson. Pate is the campus pastor of Cross Point Lindsburg in Lindsburg, Kansas. And in this conversation, we talk about the realities and the practicalities of gospel ministry, along with the process of planting and leading a campus church. We dive deep in this episode to talk about the nature of ministry and why it's never really about a title or a name at least not your name, how do you shepherd a church as a young man of God? We ask that question, along with how to study the Bible to preach the Bible better. Pate offers excellent perspectives on these and many more questions as we resolve to champion the truth of God's Word as young men devoted to the Gospel. I believe you'll really be uh, benefited by this lengthy show as Pate and I plunge into the Gospel and encourage one another in the truth that God is not after perfect performers. He's after the sinners and inviting them into his perfection. Today's show is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible offers an optimal blend of accuracy and readability, inspiring lifelong discipleship, and helping readers make a deeper connection with God's Word. To find out more about the Christian Standard Bible, go to csbible.com. Now for Pate Johnson. Well, thanks for coming on, Pate. I appreciate uh, you taking the time out for me. Uh, I know we've had some technical issues trying to get this thing up and running, but I'm glad we're together. I'm glad we're here. I'm glad I can see your smiling face again. How are you doing? I'm doing well, my brother. Doing well. Happy to chat about Jesus with you. (laughs) That's the best, isn't it? Mm. So, Pate, um, many of our listeners might not be familiar with you or with your ministry. And so in a few words, if you could just tell us about yourself and about what you're doing in Kansas and uh, who really is Pate Johnson. Oh my gosh. Well, to sum it up in a nutshell, uh, I'm really a nobody living in Kansas, Salina slash Lindsburg, Kansas. And um, yeah, I, uh, I'm the pastor, campus pastor at Cross Point Lindsburg, and um, I'm happy to to chat with my brother Brad here. But um, yeah, I uh, when I know when we were chatting about kind of an agenda, uh, a little bit of a rundown. I uh, there were a few things that really stood out to me that I really wanted to spend the majority of my time discussing with you, and that was 
you even mentioned Spurgeon, which I love that because what young fiery dude doesn't love to read Charles Spurgeon, <laughs> right? That's right. That's um, right. Shout out to Gerald White. <laughs> yeah, my boy Gerald down in the UK, is it? UK, yeah. <laughs> down the over in the UK. Um, haven't talked to that dude in a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, I uh, I have the privilege of pastoring down there in Lindsberg for about a year now, um, which is crazy how time has flown. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I've just been pastoring down there at a little campus of a, of a very large network called Crosspoint, and um, there was about ten people there at the location when I came through the doors um, to take on the role as being pastor. Um, and now we average about 40 in attendance. We had 90 actually in attendance a That's couple awesome. weeks ago. That's awesome. And we're just seeing God just work uh, in Lindsburg. So I have the privilege of being the pastor down there for about a year. And really that's been, uh, that's been me and in my time yeah so now you took over i don't hate to use the word took over but you're you're now transitioning as this campus pastor crossport lindsburg would you consider do you consider crossport lindsburg a church plant or um kind of like what how do you define it yeah it's it's very much a church plant so crosspoint as a network um we have about 10 I would say we have 12 now locations that are actual campus campuses in our network. So we are one church in many places. We like to kind of define, if you will. Um, but in Lindsburg, there was a, there was a grow group that was living in and around Lindsburg, traveling to Salina to the campus there going to church and that grow group just decided to, Hey, instead of traveling all the way to Salina to attend church, why don't we just um, plant a campus here and, you know, we'll make that happen. And they started at a home uh, from a grow group, just living life together. And they functioned like that for, I I believe uh, a little over a year, maybe even a year and a half they they were a cross point campus in a home and then they had attendance that was you know consistently over 10 <laughs> so they quickly outgrew the the living room as they were continuing to bring college students and things so they got into a new building um which we were actually still in and now i came in as pastor um about a year ago and so then we've just been growing so awesome. Now let's talk about that sort of transition because you were with us in the community, in the Majesty Men community, and then you transitioned to this campus pastor role. And I'm so very, you know, just I'm so very proud of you for doing that. Uh, this big sort of step of faith, as it were. So can, let's talk about what led you to that, and sort of what led you to begin serving there. Absolutely, it's I love talking about this. But I realized for those who are listening or actually would like hop on the machine, if you will, of just like listening to this topic, because um, I could talk forever on this. I really can't. So I had to be very careful. 
but it is a slew of things that I must mention. Number one about the community of the Majesty's men. And I love what you're doing with, you know, the ministries that you're doing as well. Cause it, it all ties together because it's all about relationships. It's all about networking. It's all about people. It's all about friendship. Um, and it's not separate from the gospel. It's like, it's intertwined with the gospel. Mm. Um, but I love mentioning Riley because Riley Voth is a dear friend of mine who will forever be a friend of mine. And I don't get to talk to him very much these days just because of the busyness of life. But um, years ago in 2010, uh, I became a disciple of Christ. I dedicated my life in 2010, became born again in 2010. And uh, <clears throat> that was involved with Cross Point Church. There was a there's a few ministries that were really pouring into me, but Cross Point is actually where I first came to faith. And uh my dear friend Riley was there and he was one of the you know, handful of men who really poured into me. But it was in Cross Point that I grew as a disciple. And since 2010, I've stayed in Cross Point and I've been a part of one in Hayes. I've been a part of the one in Salina. Um, I've visited a few here and there, and now I'm planting a cross point. So I've been a part of cross point since I've been born again. Mm. Um, and I've been a part of other ministries like Christian challenge and Hayes and a few online things, uh, and even playing drums at numerous churches. Um, but it's just cool. Cause I, I see a progression and a, a just a slew of relationships intertwined in cross point in different campuses. And so, I don't know. I, I could go many different ways, but I mentioned Riley because we did a lot of online stuff together with the majesty's men and the community with the blog and everything. And man, I tell you what, I, I really wish I could dedicate more time to the majesty's men. Cause I love the community there. I love what they're doing. I love the blog and everything like that. It's really a good community to build relationships and friendships Yep. And uh, I would say there's really nothing more important than that uh, right. aside from just hand hands on ministry at, at your local church. That's awesome. Now let's, let's talk about uh, the, the church plant now, church, cross point Lindsberg, what um, you've been there for a year and uh, I let's, what sort of has been your biggest challenge or I guess hurdle to overcome in your time there? Mm. So let's see. What's crazy is honestly has been like everything has just been like going really well. Um biggest hurdle I'd say was and this hasn't been like a really really big problem or anything like that, but I would say that uh the way that you communicate early on with your leadership like makes a huge difference down the road mm -hmm. there was a uh an instance with my uh worship leaders that uh i don't even know how i would really articulate it because i don't want to go over the whole incident because it, it really was a private incident however i'm learning to communicate like if i would have spent more time and and people even like Riley would say, yep, yeah, you need to work on that, Pate. 
the way that we commute and even Miko, I learned a lot from him too in the, in the majesty's main community, because the way we learn how to communicate like makes all the difference. Like you can believe like solid doctrine. You can have things so well dogmatically, but if we don't communicate in a loving way, because communication takes what two things it takes uh, me sending and you receiving what I'm saying without those things, like it's not really communication. Right. So the way that I communicate and that the way that I know that they will hear me makes a, a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And there was an incident early on where it wasn't necessarily, yeah, it was what I said, but it was also things that I should have said. So I both said things that I probably should have spent more time thinking about what I said and also focus on more things that I could have said to help what I just said. So anyway, we had a, we, there was an incident where I said something about something that one person had done and, or did. And, um, the way that I communicated made her feel like very not valued and and I just had to like sit down with a couple people with her also at the same time and just kind of like go through that forgiveness thing and really communicate uh personalities and things like that. We uh had the privilege of having a gentleman named Chris Rollman from our Hutchinson campus who is uh really just he's super smart uh and really well educated in the SOI uh, assessment, which is like a personality assessment. And we, and I went through that, um, personality assessment with four other families in our church who are in really, uh, high capacity leadership positions and really walking through that personality assessment with them, open the doors to, to really help me learn, okay, you communicate and you receive information in this way. And it's different than me. I tell you what, putting in the time and effort to go through things like that really Mm. makes people feel valued, makes them feel loved. And at the end of the day, you just, you just know them better. Yeah. And uh, it goes way deeper than just theology. Now I like can communicate theology better with you. And so that was really valuable. And uh, you know, I did, I wasn't super strong in it back then and I'm not now, but we're headed in that direction. And that's really encouraging to me. That's awesome. And I like what you said, because it's not always just, you know, the truth that you speak, but it's the tone in which you speak that truth. And, you know, Jesus says to speak the truth in love, or I think that's one of the apostles. And so I think a lot of times we can just get, you know, we can just speak harsh truth. And that's, that's not the way of the gospel, I think. Um, Now, let's talk about sort of that, maybe that you don't have to go into details, but you know, when you have like a contention, you know, in your church as a young guy, what has, what have you sort of learned or maybe just talk about, you know, being a young pastor, a really young pastor who is having to maybe confront people that are older than him. That's a weird dynamic. A lot of times it reminds me of, you know, um, Timothy in Ephesians um, or when he was at the church at Ephesus and he was constantly having people uh, look down on him because he was young. That's why Paul is like, let no man despise your youth. And so have you, 
not that you've maybe felt that more, you know, maybe talk, talk about that. If you, if you've kind of learned something about that. Yeah. I, <clears throat> what helps me is to be reminded that I'm needless to say, I'm no one special. I'm <laughs> extremely ordinary. And, uh, so there's nothing in and of myself that like, <laughs> like, propels me above any other young dude my age. I just feel like blessed because grace has placed me where I am. So as far as my age, really, I'm not like, I don't know. It's nothing that I've done or anything like that. Now, where I just see God's grace over the whole thing is just how people have respected me and treated me. They're truly just the church in Lindsberg the body there like truly loves Jesus. Like, man, they just, they just love Jesus. Mm. And, uh, I see it like in their, in the way that they spend their time and the way that we text each other throughout the week. Uh, when we meet at grow groups, they're very respectful. Uh, when we have just leisurely coffee together, uh, in their giving, like they just love Jesus. Mm. And, Honestly, that has encouraged me greatly as a young dude because I know that it's not something in me that is causing them to like love me and respect me. It's truly just their love for Christ. So I want to give more props to the church than to me because they they've been so respectful and thankfully I haven't had any issues or drama because of my age. What's the weirdest dynamic is that my parents and Macy's parents, my wife's parents, they attend our church. Mm. That's probably a weirder dynamic is to <laughs> pastor our parents. I mean, that's just like, that's, that's weird um, <laughs> to be like, you know, you've been my example and now I'm yours. So it's just kind of, I, I don't want to say that boastfully. I just mean that it's just, it truly is a weird dynamic because I still honor them and respect them and look up to them and learn from them as my parents. While at the same time, they are being very respectful as I'm taking on the role of being pastor. So that's, that's been a weird dynamic that I'm still very much learning. Um, but truly I, uh, you know, I, I truly just value having this conversation with you, Brad, because I, Though I am a young pastor, I still need uh, friends who uh, pray for me, encourage me, teach me, uh, and things like that. Because the truth is, I am young, and I, I haven't been doing this for 40 years, though I aspire to, and I plan to, and I hope to. Um, the people have been very respectful and encouraging thus far, and uh, my hope is that they just continue will continue to keep their eyes on Christ while mm -hmm. still be in a uh, in a mindset of worship to him as I grow older. So Amen. more props to them, way less props to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome so. though. I'm glad to hear that. Um let, let me ask you this question because I think every sort of every church body is different. And every pastor is different. He has a particular, maybe I could say bent in his, in his preaching. And obviously you're preaching the gospel and you're, I know, you know, just from knowing you, you're preaching the gospel of Christ crucified. And 
but how would you sort of describe the overall, I guess, um, vision of of your ministry, the vision of your church, the vision of Cross Point Lindsburg? How would you court, sort of put that in, like maybe like a nutshell or an elevator speech, so to speak? Oh man, I I love chatting about this. So um, our vision is to, as a church, reach ten percent of Kansas. That's a whopper number. That's a, that is a God sized number, mm-hmm. uh, in our eyes. And, uh, I, I don't even remember how many people are in Lin- or in Kansas. I forget. It's a lot. Um, I want to say it's like 2 million or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me look here. I, I promise I have this written down somewhere. <laughs> Let's see. So you have 2.9 million. So 10% of Kansas is a, is a God sized goal to have in our church. Now, if you want to get super practical, um, what I love about cross point is that we are, you know, we're conservative in our beliefs, very conservative in our beliefs, yet we're pretty liberal in our methodology. Like we want to be, you know, to those people, we want to be like them. And to those people over there, we want to be like them because we want to reach them for the sake of Christ and for his glory. Um, so how we practically do that is very simple. Like at Lindsberg, we have two primary ve- vehicles for ministry. We have grow groups and we have cross point kids ministry. Aside from these ministries, you're not going to probably see another ministry. Like you, you may see us do a lot of stuff in the community and a lot of fun things, but they're going to be primarily probably a grow group function. So like, let's say, uh, Joe Schmo over here gets really passionate, like about something like he's just, uh, I don't know, like for college students, like this dude is all out passionate for college students. We need to do like something for college students. We need to have this ministry. And so practically in Lindsberg, we're not going to adopt a church-wide, a campus-wide collegiate thing. What I'm going to say is, are you in a grow group? Like, are you living life with people in your church? Uh, If not, get there. And if you are, awesome. Go tell your grow group about this passion you have. Share in it with them. And you as a grow group can go do whatever ministry that you're seeking and do it together. Or let's say that you are just like really passionate about meals. Like you want to put on this meal every month for anyone in the community. That's awesome. Like, yay God, like, let's go. Now we're not going to adopt that as a, as a whole church thing. We're not going to say, Hey, cross point Lindsberg is now going to do a meal every single month. But what practically you'll see is you'll see a grow group who shares in that passion and they're going to go put on that function together and they're going to do that. So that's still our church. Yet we're not going to make everyone in the church accept every single ministry and be a part of all that. Mm-hmm. But rather we want to have a group of people who that grow group leader is really just an under shepherd of the under shepherd of the shepherd, Jesus, who can just kind of delegate, be there to help delegate that portion of the body. And while they're taking care of them, they can actually go do some ministry. So that's kind of like the super quick practical vision of how we actually get work done 
me personally, I lead a grow group. We're really passionate about the old people in our community. So we serve at the Bethany home. We go there and do crafts and games and just kind of hang out with them. And uh, we've been there before. And um, it's kind of funny because I'm, I'm bivocational, which, I mean, that's its own thing. Um, and they're at the bank where I work. Um, there's people who come in and they maybe work at this one lady worked at the Bethany home and I've never met her. And she came in, she was like, Hey, are you that young new pastor in Lindsberg? And I was like, yeah, who are you? And she was like, I actually work at Bethany home and you know, Clara Bell and all those ladies, they were telling us about their, their new pastor in town and how they met you. And they were telling me all about what you guys were talking about. And I was just like, Whoa. So anyway, my grow group, we get together and we go there and we serve and we have another grow group that's really passionate about uh, the college there. So they're praying and, you know, going after college students and stuff like that. So that's kind of our vision, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. I like that. And I like hearing about how invested you are and your church is in the community because sometimes churches can get kind of like, like uh, social clubs and they become very kind of private sometimes. And I, I don't really think that's how it's supposed to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, my next question would be this though, as people come and visit, you said you had, you know, or I think you said you had like 90 or so visit your church uh, recently, which is a great, great thing. You're seeing you, people visit and come and, and as people visit Cross Point Lindsburg, what's sort of, you know, maybe this is a hokey question, but what's sort of the one thing that you hope they leave knowing and understanding, even if they've never heard the gospel before, even if they, or even if they have, what is the one thing that you hope they come away with? Uh, it's <clears throat> obviously we want every hearer to, uh, encounter the gospel. Um, it, it, I truly try to be discerning who comes in our doors um, because we have people who, you know, are our discreet security, if you will. So we, we are very mindful of people who may want to come in and whether they want to riot or they're hungry or they're looking for a new church and they're out shopping. I don't know. We see, we've seen some interesting people so far. I mean, we've had people who are simply homeless passing through and they come in, we give them coffee, we give them this or that, and then we give them a ride, you know? So there's, there's that. Uh, and we also try to, every Sunday I try to share the gospel. I mean, that's very bold for a lot of churches, which is ironic, uh, I don't do well with you going to church and like not hearing the gospel because not only is the gospel able to save, it's able to help be like sanctifying us. So yeah, as far as that goes, that's really a, a no brainer is to make sure the gospel message is pretty clear every single Sunday. Cause I need it. <laughs> I mean, everyone else may not, but I certainly need it. Um, <laughs> but my number one priority is to like take care of our people. And so, I mean, there's sometimes where literally we have people coming in a crying mess and uh, I have to be discerning about, Hey, how can we gather some people around you and support you? 
while we can point you to Christ. And, uh, you know, we want to be there and put an arm around you. But at the same time, we want to propel you to have Christ put his arms around you. And so that way we can go and take care of those who are lost. So it's truly, dude, it's ministry is messy. It really is. I wish it was just kind of like a simple two plus two equals four. But, man, every Sunday is different. And uh, but the obvious one is, man, we have to make sure that the gospel is preached every single Sunday and um, to make sure that God's people are taken care of. Mm. That's awesome. And I'm, (laughs) it's interesting that you have made that sort of realization that ministry is messy. That ministry is not always (laughs) this clean and tidy thing. Um, You know, the tagline for the show is, is talking about the, the messy ministry and the mercy that is meet that meets us there, the mercy of God that meets us in that the mess and the hardship of ministry, because, you know, growing up a pastor's kid and being sort of, you know, you know, behind the scenes of ministry a lot recently, you can see it firsthand. And it's because you're, you're a broken person dealing with other broken people, trying to cope with their brokenness. And that whole concept as a pastor is sometimes kind of defeating um, mm. because you just keep pouring yourself out, hoping people get it. And um, so I feel for you and I pray for you because um, not a lot of people realize that. I think some people realize or have this idea of a pastor as this guy who preaches on Sundays and Wednesdays, and they forget that being a pastor is really a 24 seven thing. And it's not like you clock out and you're not, you know, concerned about, you know, Susie's, you know, um, mom who's in the hospital or something. It's, that's part, that's the, that's the unseen part of ministry, the messy part. Mm, Amen, dude. That's yeah, dude, that's spot on. And honestly, I, I hope to, in this conversation with you, Brad, is to really speak to the younger dudes like myself, even those who may be even older than me that aspire to be in a pastoral position. Uh, like I have a slew of things that I would love to chat with them about. Um, not just because, Hey, now I can like teach you because I have experience, but, but really just to have conversation about the reality of some things that I'm encountering. Mm. Uh, Cause there are things that people like won't share with <laughs> you that are like really difficult, but I, man, like I uh, week in and week out, almost every day, like I'm meeting with people. Uh, and that takes away a lot of the time I get to invest in writing on my blog and posting on Twitter and getting on the majesties men and doing this and doing that online. Cause I truly don't have the time to do that. Um, but my heart, like I truly desire meeting with dudes who are aspiring to be in ministry like that. Cause I, I really do have lots. In fact, you mentioned, uh, Spurgeon one of the books that I'm reading right now is lectures to my students, pretty popular one. Uh, and one of the things that he said in there that I was just like, every young dude needs to hear this. And we were talking about this on the phone a couple of weeks ago, I think. Um, but he says this, he says, um, to the dude who basically is like, I want to be in ministry. I know it. Like I'm going to be like, I know it. 
because I was that young punk who was saying that. Um, in page 33, he says, be fit for your work and you will never be out of it. Do not run about inviting yourselves to preach here and there. Be more concerned about your ability than your opportunity and more earnest about your walk with God than about either. Mm. And really what he's saying, his heart in that whole chapter is what is what the very first portion of that says is just be fit for your work. Mm -hmm. And what I love about ministry is that those dudes who are really being fruitful, they're going to be fruitful whether you hire them or not. Like whether they're in your church or not, they're going to make disciples. I mean, those are the people who you truly want to have in your church. And, you know, for the young dudes out there who are, really getting fired up and they're, they're passionate. They're zealous. They even got knowledge with that zeal hmm. uh, for them. I would just say, go do it anyway. Like, so I just know that there's a lot of people out there wait, waiting for a break or waiting to get hired on a salary when they need to just like, what are you really seeking then? You know, because if you're truly a disciple of Christ, you should be making disciples first. You should be making disciples anyway. Mm. And you should be serving where yep. you're at today. Yep. And a, a lot of the zeal that I have in my heart right now goes out to those people who are like myself in that really, there's really not a whole lot that distinguishes us apart from each other. It may be some titles that man puts on us, but honestly, we should be doing ministry anyway yeah and so i don't know i just want to really encourage those young dudes as spurgeon says just to be fit for your work and be more concerned about your ability than your opportunity oh yeah for i i have so many things preach brad it's, it's coming um because that is so on point because i think a lot of times and i i was right there i was doing the same thing you know, just waiting around to get that role or get that position in thinking that, you know, I needed to have the title of youth pastor beside my name, even though I was already in it and I couldn't see, I was so blinded to the fact that I was already in ministry. I was already doing it. I don't need to wait around, you know, as you said, for some title or for some salary to, you know, get me into ministry. Just, (laughs) I think the thing that I'm most burdened about for young guys is, is um just get out there and do something for the lord not that not saying that you have to do something in order to be saved but just go out there and prove that you love jesus by mm. by ministering to other people and and prove the gospel in your life by showing them love and i think a lot of times we can get caught up with you know oh i need this title or role or position or whatever and the other thing i think of a lot especially recently is I think with the advent and I'm going to, you know, um, speak to something I love using, which is social media and stuff with the advent of this and with the, also the advent of this idea of, you know, conference speakers, uh, constantly, which is not a bad thing. I think it's a great thing that we have conferences to go to. We can sort of get a reprieve and a refresh on certain topics and themes, but, I think, and even myself, I'm speaking from my own heart and confessing that I've been, you know, 
coveting of that sort of lifestyle and thinking that that's what it's about. You know, the, the, the Twitter fame, the conference speaking fame and getting invited to all these different things. And I think a lot of people, a lot of young guys, especially young guys, especially on social media a lot can get, um, mired by that. They can get bogged down by, you know, wanting that, that fame, wanting to be that sort of extraordinary conference speaker that gets invited to all the, all the big, big wig conferences with all the, all the, you know, big names and even the evangelical world or whatever. And I think that that has detracted from what you were talking about and what you are trying to promote at Crosspoint, which is just faithfully serving your community. And there's a, there, I just recently wrote a post on my blog and I, and I, I made the confession that I want to be silent, but bold, silent that I don't need people to know who I am, but bold that when I do talk, it's telling them about this Jesus that I serve. And I think that's just really been on my heart lately is that <laughs> you don't need a title and you don't need this, all the adulation of, you know, thousands of Twitter followers retweeting your stuff. You just need to be loving and serving the people around you. Amen. Yeah, there's a big difference in getting a retweet and tweeting to get a retweet. <laughs> yeah. And most most people who want to be on stage of some sort, really, when, when you put them on stage, they really have nothing to say. Hmm. And the most faithful pastors that you that are on the face of the earth, you've never heard about them mm-hmm. because they're out, they're actually making disciples and That's they're actually cool. humble because they're, they don't even need Twitter. Yeah. yeah. They don't even need it. I, I go ahead. I was just, I was just going to kind of transition to say something about grow groups, but I was going to let you, you were going to say something. Oh, I was just going to say that it reminds me at the end, I've been thinking about this path. It's been like running through my head lately, which is at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, which I love Hebrews 11 because, you know, it's called the hall of faith, so to speak, that we've colloquially mm. known it. It lists all these people, you know, quote unquote, famous people in the Bible. And I love at the end, because at the end of that last couple of verses, it has this, it goes through these verses and it lists this collective Others, it just says, and others were beheaded and persecuted and killed for their faith, of whom, and it says, I think this is the King James translation, it says, of whom the world was not worthy. And I love that (laughs) you don't know who these others were, but these other people have done things that you don't even know about for the gospel, and you won't know about till we get into glory. And they just did it anyways. They did it without, you know, seeking the fame and seeking the glory and seeking the praise of men. And they were just the, they were happy to be in that collective others that the world was not worthy of. And I think that has been really resonating with me because as a guy, I can get so easily caught up in my own, you know, quote unquote brand. I can get so caught up in my own, you know, creating a name for myself, but I don't need a name for myself. I just need to make the name of Jesus famous. And I think I want to be a part of that collective others. I don't want my name remembered. I just want to be known as a guy who served quietly and faithfully where he was. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Absolutely. 
I, I have to brag on Crosspoint a little bit, not just because not because they're awesome, but because they're awesome. So, <laughs> like we mentioned, the structure about grow groups a little bit. And I kind of just skimmed through practically what what our vision is and how our church structure, really in its purest form, is. But Crosspoint has a really interesting structure that is just, in my opinion and experience, it has just been exceptional for breeding pastors for raising up under shepherds because um like we were talking about earlier about the dudes who are just super zealous to serve right now uh there is opportunity to do that in grow groups and in your bible studies and your small groups because those who are leading that truly to some portion to some degree They've been delegated a portion of the body of Christ under the under shepherd still um, to lead those people. Mm. And what's amazing, you know, I've had the opportunity of leading a couple of grow groups. And I tell you what, and this is a bold statement, but for those who are in cross point as laymen leading a grow group, that is the highest position of leadership that you can possibly have in our church as a layman under the under shepherd Mm. because you are meeting with people every week you are serving in the community part of your dna as a grow group is to adopt a portion of the community and serve there as a grow group you know just once every two months even and to just dive in the word to pray together to meet together i mean there's no higher position of leadership as a layman Hmm. as a leading a grow group because you're truly taking care of people and doing that in a couple grow groups. I mean, that has taught me what it truly is to take care of people, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's been tough. You know, we've, we've cried, we've sweat, we've bled, you know, (laughs) we've served in the community. I've got to teach scripture. I've got to baptize people. And it's just, crazy what kind of opportunities you can have simply quietly leading a grow group Mm. um and you see people like me who are just wretched sinners and ordinary dudes who are actually in a position of leadership to teach other grow group leaders now to teach them the gospel and uh just see god just truly just explode Mm. the church so yeah that's awesome. It's nuts. I love hearing that. I love hearing that. But let's uh let's let's transition to another another topic because I think this could be really um relevant to you because you know a lot is made of a young man's call to ministry and I think a lot is also made when, uh, especially for young men but for young people in general is you know <laughs> finding quote unquote finding God's will. And so as you were transitioning into this next chapter of your life at Crossport Lindsberg, how were, were you sort of navigating this idea? Is, is this God's will? And, you know, how, how sort of was that? How did you come to that sort of realization that I'm just going to step out on faith in this? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, and uh <clears throat> my wife and I mutually 
we believe together that um, I've been called to um, be a pastor. Um, but before, before I even accepted or stepped into this position, as you stated, um, Macy and I first feel called to Lindsberg. Um, we've, we know mutually together, God has done something special in making it known to us that we are called to Lindsberg to raise our kids there, to really just hopefully Lord willing, buy a house one day there and truly just plant ourselves and make disciples in Lindsberg. And so does Lins or so does Cross Point. And so just that partnership of them saying, Hey, we want to go to Lindsberg too. And Hey, I want to go to Lindsberg. And I would even love to pastor there. Um, and it took them saying no to me a few times because I, I actually proposed that, Hey, I would pastor there and I want to be a pastor and I want to plant a campus. And they actually said, no, you're too young and you're stupid. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so I actually was actually told no, um, for, a, a, for some time until, you know, I got some proper training until I was ordained, um, until I had some older men smack me around a little bit and, uh, teach me some things that they're still teaching me other things. But, uh, that's a loaded question because it's not in a perfect sequence. I just know that one, my wife and I mutually uh, on the same page, we're called to Lindsberg and we both believe that I have been called to the pastoral, uh, ministry vocation, if you will, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and Crosspoint also wants to go there. And I saw it as an opportunity of, Hey, I've been in Crosspoint for over five years now. And I love this church and I'll literally die for this church. And, um, and they want to resource me. They want to partner with me. They want to pray for me. And, uh, we just kind of decided, Hey, finally, after discussion and prayer and after seasons of me being told no, they finally was like, actually, this is the time. You're ready. <laughs> you're not perfect. You have a lot to learn, but, you know, you're ready. And uh, so, yeah, it, it wasn't just like a, hey, there's a there's a spot open. I'm going to apply. Oh, I got it. It was like, I am hungry for this. And I'm going to go there anyway, because I'm going. And Crosspoint had a grow group out there that had already planted the campus, and I'm going to go there anyway. And so it just kind of was like, whoa, God just made this really line up really well. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Does that make sense? It does. And I, I, it's, it's, it's cool <laughs> to hear about, like, the weird things that kind of fall into place, because... <laughs> I've used this illustration before, so it's going to be sort of a retread for my quote unquote faithful listeners, which they're probably, I don't know how many they are, but <laughs> in, in a couple episodes back, I used this illustration because I think it really works that a lot of times we want God's will to look like, I think it's a mayor trade or one of those commercials where, you know, <laughs> 
the person is going to this financial planner and they step out and it shows them that like green path with the arrow and it says, go this way here, go this way. And then make a turn. We, <laughs> we, you know, we want God's will to look like that, like an Ameritrade commercial that tells us where to go a lot of the times. But I think a lot of the times God's will is so much more fractured and bumpy than that. And it can take, you know, you know, people telling you no, or people telling you that this is a bad idea or, you know, whatever, you know, maybe if another person, they went through a divorce in their life or they went through a death or a death in the family or something like that. There's all these things that make life what it is, but it also makes God's will that much more beautiful when you look back on it, because then you can see, wow, look at the things God was bringing me through. But it doesn't always look like that when you're in it. And it doesn't look like that Ameritrade commercial. It looks a lot more um, unknown. And I think that that's the hard part is like, is trying to figure out, you know, sort of (laughs) where God's directing me. But I'm even learning that now. (laughs) For those who are like, I'm just waiting for a sign. You know, I'm just waiting for that sign. Well, check this out. There's your sign. Now go make disciples. Like, go share the gospel with the lost. And if God puts you in a place of being a, a past in a pastoral position, awesome. Praise God. You don't deserve it. But still, that's not the goal. The goal is not to reach some high spiritual position. It's by God's grace, I am blessed and thrilled and happy. And I want to be the pastor, but I was going to go there anyway. And I told him before they offered me officially the position, I said, I just, we're ready to go there. We just want to be a part of it. I don't have to be the pastor. Uh, And I, especially you don't need to pay me anything. I just want to go there because we're called there. And so then they're like, Hey, we actually, this is actually time that we actually wanted to offer you the campus pastor position so i would i just want everyone to hear my heart that it's not a position that we're seeking it's the it's the fruit of the ministry it's making disciples that we're seeking because of the minute it becomes about the position you start getting into preservation mode once you get there you get into protection mode of hey now i've got it now i gotta keep it Hmm. instead of dude, we are about making disciples as many as we can. We're going to go in the streets and invite all to the wedding feast kind of a thing. Mm. But for those who are sitting back at home, going through their commentaries, going through their dogmatics, going through their theology, you know, just waiting for that sign. There's your sign. (laughs) For those listening on audio, Pate is holding up a sign that says, point it to the right. (laughs) There's your sign. It says a sign. There's your sign. Uh, it reminds me, you know, of, I'll just share this really quickly. It reminds me of on the story of Gideon because I love the story of Gideon because when you're in Sunday school, you always hear the story told as if Gideon was, at the, as he's called, a mighty man of valor. But he's not really a mighty man of valor because throughout Gideon, uh, Judges 6 and 7, he doubts God so many times. He's given a sign by, it says, the angel of the Lord. Christ himself gives him the, the, the promise that he's going to wipe out the enemies as if they were one man. And 
after that, that's when we get to the fleece, the whole fleece thing. And he fleece, he takes the fleece out and then he does it twice. And he's still doubting God the whole time he's doubting God. And then God does something even more hilarious. He says, Hey, you're going to go into battle, not with these 30,000 guys. You're going to go into battle with 300 guys. And on top of that, you're going to go into battle with 300 guys armed with trumpets and lanterns. So yeah, <laughs> and I just love that story because the whole time God is trying to show him <laughs> that it's not about the signs. It's about the savior who is sustaining you in whatever mm. phase of life you're in in whatever moment and whatever thing that you're facing. It's not about the sign of where to go or what to do or how to approach this. It's, Trust me, I got this. As it says in Exodus, I will fight for you. You only need to be still. And that's the whole point that Jesus has fought and won for us. Anyways, I could preach uh, and I won't. Um, I'm getting fired up, Pate. Um, now, how let's 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 transition again, because uh, we'll bring it down again. Um as we shared at the beginning, you and I, and uh, again, a shout out to Gerald White, have a collective affection for the sermons and writings of Charles Spurgeon. And I can say that with quite confidence because we read him and we write him and we write about him. And I love reading his books, his sermons, and what he had to say because, well, let's just talk about that because in your opinion, what, what makes Spurgeon's words his messages so effective that they're still being read and studied and loved today well, i don't maybe i don't know if you can answer that but what what would you say makes them so effective that they're still beloved mm. well i think anyone who loves truth can discern truth and i think those who read authors who write about truth love their writings mm. because they love the truth. And I think Charles Spurgeon writes the truth. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I tweeted this earlier and I say it all the time, basically that, you know, we are to seek the truth. We are to find the truth and hold the truth and live the truth, love the truth, share the truth kind of a thing. It's all about the truth and plain and simple. When I read Spurgeon, I'm reading the truth and I've never met the guy. I mean, he's, he was alive a couple hundred years ago, but I trust him because I read truth and you know, we know that he's reformed Baptist. I'm reformed Baptist. We have a lot in common, but because we, we value the truth and that's where you'll find in his writing. So yeah, I, I, I don't know a ton about him personally, but, I can tell you that I have his Spurgeon sermons, 10 volume set that I read all the time. I'm reading through lectures to my students right now. And there's very few um, authors or preachers that I recommend people read, but uh, I only recommend Spurgeon if people are ready to hear the truth. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes he speaks in a weird way. Sometimes he's, super funny and sometimes it's a little bit kind of feels like it was a couple hundred years old because it is um but for the majority of the time 
every time I read a chapter, I'm refreshed because it's, it's based on the truth. And here's the deal. You know, you look at books today and, and I love, I love many authors of our, of our day and age. We got a lot of great authors out there, a lot of great writers. Um, but the books today are just, they're more expensive today and they're more watered down today. Mm. You know, back in the Puritans, those books are cheaper usually, and they're a lot richer. I mean, they, I mean, you cannot fly through Charles Spurgeon. You just can't like you can't, I can fly through eBooks and like, I can fly through any new age, new modern, whatever kind of books, because it's just like four life stories and a couple good one-liners. And it's just like, oh, so like bland because it's just boring. It feels like everyone wants to be an author. So they're just going to write something really quick. And they produce something that has like a great one or two great tweets. And that's it. And it's like, I can tell when I read Spurgeon, he didn't sit down for just two minutes. Like he didn't just sit down for just 10 minutes. Like he literally like, worked through some things and so that's what i get that's my experience with spurgeon hmm. that's so true and I, I not that we're like trying to loft up this guy uh, he was broken like us but charles spurgeon i love reading because he had such a way of cutting right to the quick right to the core of whatever he was talking about and he didn't mince words and he didn't beat around the bush you know to use that colloquial phrase he he didn't go around whatever he need, he was talking about. He went straight at, you know, the person dealing with this sin, with this whatever. And he was very blunt, but he was also very uh, gracious in how he did it because he never left a sinner. That he, I'm reading one of his books called um, "The Saint and His Savior," and a lot of the times he addresses, you know, the sinner, but he never leaves them where they are in their pit of, you know, despair, or he calls it the slough of despond a lot of the times in his writings. He never leaves them in that place. He always buoys them with the gospel, and he always lifts them back up and says, you should never despair your lost state. He keeps, he he, he uses that phrase a lot, never despair your lost state because Jesus is the seeker and the savior of the lost. He reiterates that a lot, and I love that because it's not just about making a person realize they're a sinner. It's about showing them and revealing to them that this Jesus guy, he loves and saves sinners. So, you know, you can hope in that. You can trust in that. And that's why I love Spurgeon. He was, he had such a fascinating, as you said, he had such a fascinating way with his words and the things that he said. So Truly. awesome. For those I, who are aspiring to be, uh pastors uh the 10 volume thing is hard it's that's a big <laughs> thing to chew on but if you're looking for at least one book to start for those who aspire to, to be a pastor or anything like that lectures to my students is a great read through and i would recommend that at least for starters i mean he has smaller books too but this is one that you'll get a you'll get you'll get spurgeon <laughs> fully in that so well, let's talk about that. I liked uh, hearing, you know, maybe what else you're reading. And I don't know if you read a lot or you read a little, but, you know, 
<laughs> you said you didn't necessarily like a lot of the modern people and that's okay. So what would you recommend to guys, um, especially young guys that are stepping into ministry or thinking about the ministry or in that sort of in between sort of phase, what are some other, uh, what are some other authors you would point them to? Hey, you should read this guy, uh, to sort of help prepare yourself. Well, I feel like I am, I have an interesting taste in books. I actually enjoy reading textbooks more than I read like the flowery books that are bestsellers. You probably won't see me searching for bestsellers. You'll see me looking for textbooks. I don't know what's wrong with me. I have a really weird taste. Um, but something, even though it's not extremely stimulating, I would encourage dudes to read just like theology, systematic theology. Um, church history, like learning how to use a concordance will change your life. <laughs> and that's, you're never going to see a concordance be a bestseller. But I tell you, for those who truly desire to, uh, do some serious exegesis, if you, if you want to know your Bible, you have to read the Bible more than you read about other people writing about the Bible. True. If you, if you don't read the Bible more than you read about the Bible, you're going to be pretty terrible at discerning what the Bible even says because you're basing that all upon what others have told you about it. I mean, these are very fundamental things, but that's my reason for why I would recommend uh, reading systematic theology. Uh, or even just sitting down with a concordance. I would rather sit down with a concordance than any bestseller. That's just that's just to be honest. Mm-hmm. You'll find great things in bestsellers and things like that, but I don't know. It just doesn't go deep. You know what I mean? I want to be a student of the word. I just don't want to be entertained from book to book. I want to be a true student. And a concordance and some systematic theology is actually teaching some, it's actually, it's inspiring me to learn Greek because I don't know Greek. I'm not even close. I, I, I don't know any Greek. I I can know, I can say a few things, theanustas and those words that you hear every single apologist use, um, (laughs) which means that one means God breathed. But anyway, reading a concordance or systematic theology it it inspires me to go to scripture. I don't want to read a bestseller and be like, ooh, who is this author? I want to learn this author and I want to know all these reformed authors. I want to know scripture. Hmm. I want to get down to what it truly means to to know Theonustos and be able to discern discern that. Um I hope that helps. If 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 any of you is interested in reading a first time uh, church history book. I'm reading through again. What I read through in college is the story of Christianity by uh, Justo Gonzalez. I don't know anything about the author, but I know that it's a really helpful run through of church history. He has a two part volume series. Uh, one is from the early church to the reformation. And the other one is from the rest reformation to the present day. I read them through them in college and they were really, really helpful. Um, so I, I would just recommend that. That's awesome. I love that emphasis because 
I will, I've made this confession before um, in another podcast, but I, in my, I'm still a young guy, but in my early days of ministry, so to speak, I was, you know, looking for, you know, that awesome quote to put in my sermon to make sure it lands, or, you know, you know, <laughs> making sure that if I found this awesome quote when I was reading that I could finagle it into my sermon somehow, you know, because I want to say, I want to share this awesome quote, this awesome thing that this person said. But as you said, it's, that's, that's missing the point. And it's sort of missing the whole mark of what you're doing anyways, because as a preacher and as a student of the word, where is the word in that? And where is the expositing of what Jesus has said to us in that moment when you're trying to quote so-and-so guy from whatever? And that's been, that's, I'm, I'm so glad that you shared that because it's been on my heart to get away from trying to make sure I quote this person and that person and put them in this awesome sermon that I'm composing but to be just with myself in the word of God and be and, and pray and ask God, what is this saying to me? How are you revealing yourself in this portion of scripture? And, and that's, as you said, that's where we get the deep stuff. That's where we get the stuff that really resonates and that really matters. Absolutely. And it's, it's not, it's not quick, quickly stimulating. Mm. I mean, you're going to get, you're going to get to some nuggets that you're like, oh, this is new. Like, oh, I got to work through that. You're not going to get quick things to tweet because that's what our, that's just the reality of our, of our day and age is every young reformed dude just wants to have good content to tweet and post about on social media <laughs> rather than chew it, swallow it, let it change you. And actually go and serve your local church better with it. So there's a there's a there's a whole game changer when when you're doing it from a heart that, like you said, is uh, wanting to just find content to use to to post versus intaking truth, letting it shape you, and going and serving the local church better with it. Mm. Um, that has to be, you know, our, re our it has to be our, our uh, springboard, if you will, is, is to use it to serve our brothers and sisters better for the sake of the gospel. It has to be from that kind of heart. And I, I definitely have not uh, attained that. I haven't mastered that. I'm nowhere near, but uh, thankfully by the grace of God, I just feel like he's really have me on, he has me on a, path to uh do that yeah. and uh you know so anyway no that's awesome that's awesome i like hearing that and i love hearing how god is working on you still um but you know as as, as we close um you know uh firsthand that the majesty's men is really a collective it's a brotherhood of just young guys that love Jesus and want to impact other young guys with the same gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I like asking this question because it's usually different. If you were allowed to say one thing to an audience of young men, what would that one thing be? Oh man. Um, so I would say this, 
God, I, I say this to an audience of that's twofold. One, those who are going to church, but they're still lost. And also those who are making disciples. So it's both, it's everyone that I'm saying this to. Um, God is not just out there seeking the righteous ones, but he's seeking the lost and he's making them righteous mm-hmm. through faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Now that, that may seem like to the, to the person who is coming to church, but still lost because they don't know the gospel. That is a game changer. Like that God is not just out there looking for those who are doing it right. God's not out there just for looking, looking for just the the people who have it all together or who are the best examples who are, who are 70 years old and they're founding master colleges. (laughs) God is seeking the lost Mm -hmm. like, and he's making them righteous. Uh, Just that in and of itself, I feel like it liberates those who are lost because it, it it gives them a sense of value because even though I'm lost, I'm young, I'm ignorant, I don't understand, I'm spiritually discerned, but I hear that that puts me in a in a new place where I feel like I'm reachable and that God actually does love me. And for those who are actually making disciples and those who are aspiring to be a pastor um like my like myself God is not just out there looking for the perfect performers and taking care of them, but he's seeking the lost and inviting you to like die to yourself and join his work, you know? So it's, I could go a lot of places with that, but God is seeking the lost and he's making them righteous because he's that good. Um, You're speaking right to me, Pate, (laughs) because that is, so important because we and now we're going to make this go even longer than what I intended but you know <laughs> we can we make it so much about you know doing the right things and saying the right things and making sure everyone sees our religious fronts our religious masks but god in the gospel he rips off our masks of religiosity and says i love the real you the enemy of my son you know, as it says in Romans 5, 8, when we were enemies, Christ died for us. That's the person that God loves is that person that actually hates him. And he's saying that that's the person I want. Just as Paul on the roads of Damascus was going to kill more Christians. And God is like, I want that guy to preach. I'm seeking that dude. Yeah. <laughs> And it's totally opposite how we would work. I'm not going to go out and seek some ISIS captain to be my next missionary, but God works so opposite to the way we think and in the way we work. And he, as you said, he seeks the lost and he seeks the people who are broken and he seeks the fugitives. And he says, Hey, come to me. You are weary and I will give you rest. And I, into the fugitive, into the faker, he gives them the same grace and says, come to me and rest from your performance, from your running. Oh man, we could preach. Let's go. Well, I I have a few people in my mind who I won't name drop, but people who even Macy even met with one of them this evening. 
um, there's even, there's this one girl, for example, in our church, who's kind of going through like a Martin Luther kind of a thing, though she's not coming out of Catholicism. She's coming to that place where she just feels a need to like confess every sin. Mm. Like she's feeling the conviction and the weight of sin. And she just feels the need to con- like confess it to somebody while we're walking her through the actual gospel. And we've sat down, I've sat down with Macy and we've shared the gospel with her and walking her through that. And we're just watching how God is truly seeking these lost people mm-hmm. and they are coming to uh, a new place where they realize that, Oh my goodness. I, I'm not righteous, but God has made me righteous. And so, like, it's just cool that, you know, I've seen it uh, in person, not only in my own self, but in the lives of those who were, like, right in front of me. Because too often, we're worried about ourselves, aren't we? We're oh, like, I'm, I'm like, I got to make sure I say the right things. I got to make sure I dress the right way. I got to make sure I do this, do that right. But they're they're thinking about themselves of what they can take to go post or take to their ministry. I mean, we're all thinking about ourselves. But when I when I can just see when it's not about me, but seeing what God and he's doing in them, that frees me up as a pastor and knowing that okay, my example has to be down. I get that. But at the same time, it's all God. It's not up to me. And it's just watching him seek the lost. He's making them righteous. He's doing the work. And I get to just lay my life down and just watch him and be a part of that. It's crazy cool. Hmm. That is awesome, Pate. I love hearing that. We've been going for a long time, but I'm just, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> end on a high note and we'll revisit this um, at a later date. I just want to say thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing and thank you for talking. And I, Man, I love this stuff, and I will be praying for you and your ministry, and that the that God would continue to use you. Thanks, Brad. Love you, brother. Thanks again to Pate for taking the time to come on the show today. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, and go check out his website, PateJ.com. You can find those links and those resources in the show notes, of course. And that's it for today's episode of Ministry Minded. Thanks so much for staying with me and for listening along. If you like what you just heard, be sure and give the show a follow on Twitter. And you can also subscribe on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Thanks again to the Christian Standard Bible for supporting and sponsoring the show. And thank you, as always, for listening, commenting, and subscribing. I'll see you on the next episode. Blessings.